Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. Preseason game week. It is here. Kevin Bow and Chris Presley back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner. We are six days away from the preseason opener against the Carolina Panthers. Joint practices with Matt Rule's bunch Thursday and Friday at Grand Park. I am excited. Chris Presley, are you excited? Absolutely. Let's when, go. When, when you hear it's it's actual camp, like you got a preseason game coming up. Yeah, we're ready for this, baby. Game week. Uh, I don't know if we're all caps seventy two font like we will be <laughs> September. You know, whatever September twelfth when the Seahawks. Come to Lucas Oil Stadium, uh, but certainly any game week is going to be uh, something of an evaluation for Jacob Eason and company. Sounds like around a half for Eason, and mm-hmm. Frank Reich very willing and, and open to playing Eason even when taking some starters out. So we'll get through all of that. Today's pod, camp takeaways now that we're about two weeks in, past the midway point at Grand Park, 10 practices down, 9 to go up there. We'll talk Darius Leonard, contract extension as well. Let's hit on Beers with Bowen at the start, Chris. Yes. Uh, September 8th, 6.30 p.m. That will be uh, downtown right next to Lucas Oil Stadium at Bullseye Event Center. Um, so thank you to our friends at Bullseye Event Group, an unbelievable um, VIP Colts VIP tailgate mm-hmm. that we'll be, uh, I should say tailgates, plural, that we'll be giving away two tickets um, to every single home tailgate at Bullseye Event Center. Um, again, it's an incredible venue of free food and drink um, for the people, I should say, that uh, that win this prize pack and also two tickets to the home opener yep. as well to the game against the Seattle Seahawks. So, again, 630 there on September 8th, and uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, and I know you're normally up in the press box, so I don't know how often you've got over to Bullseye. I know you went over there a couple weeks ago to, to check out the, the event center. It's an amazing – they do a great job. So we did a um, little video photo shoot there last week, and that was the first time I'd been there. And, man, woohoo! Kyle Kinnett and company. Yep. That is a really, really cool venue. And um, they play, you know, pretty much red zone, you know, the whole time mm-hmm. in there. So, you know, you can catch all the games, start three hours before kickoff. Like I said, food and drink, and you're literally within a pitching wedge of DeForest Buckner's picture on the side right. of Lucas Oil Stadium. So, um Really looking forward to that. We'll, we'll let you know some details on parking, uh, but September 8th, 630, put that in the calendar, and it will be streamed for our out-of-town audience. Yes. So I know there's a lot of people that I, we, I would love to see mm-hmm. in person. The only way to win the VIP prize pack and the two tickets uh, to the home opener is to come in person. So we'll have more details on that as we uh, get closer. Yeah, and typical Indiana, Kyle's a big AAU guy. His son's a pretty good player. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh oh. On the AAU circuit. Oh yeah. Uh, high school age? About to be high school um, age? Around middle school. Middle school, junior high. Are we talking a Garen Golden Eagle here? No, I no? don't think so. Okay. Cathedral. I don't, I'm trying to recruit my. So my nephew played with them, or gotcha. played on his team, and we're trying to recruit my nephew to Garen. There you oh, go. Yeah. Uh, in, in audio, there, Garen Catholic High School is recruiting. Did everyone? Did everyone catch that? Cathedral would never do that. No, no. I mean, Robert Vaden never lived with a, a grandmother or anything like that. You know, Jeez, you're going back in the archives there. 
Let's talk about Darius Leonard. The big news that came out yesterday, of course we knew the contract was going to be steep. But I still loved his press conference, and you had a great clip on your social media feed if you guys want to catch out Kevin on social, which all you guys probably do. He still wants to work for it. Yeah, and, you know, this is a guy that, um, you know, sometimes you worry, oh, boy, pen to paper, you know, what's a, you know, right. oh boy, how, how's he going to react? You know, Darius Leonard's going to buy 40 acres in South Carolina. He's going to build his dream home, and that's about it, man. I mean, he is a self-motivated individual to the nth degree, and, you know, obviously we've had a ton of debate on this podcast throughout the offseason of, you know, do you pay mm-hmm. these positions, you know, premium premium dollar and it is a incredibly fair argument to have i totally acknowledge that and let's not you know beat around the bush these contracts you're handing out and you're going to hand out to quentin nelson and you know whoever else comes comes down the pike it only stresses the draft even more and development and you've got to continue to hit and we saw it kind of late it was late, but we saw it at the end of the Colts tenure of mm-hmm. you know the 2000s and all this Hall of Fame stuff has kind of had me reminiscing a little bit. But when you started to draft poorly, and the Tony Hugo's and the Jerry Hughes's and Anthony Gonzalez and whoever else, you know, and again for different reasons, those players didn't work out here in Indy. That's when that kind of fell apart uh, because financially you just couldn't keep up when you're missing in the draft. So. Now, this era hasn't sniffed that era. You you would hope one day that you start to string together division titles, playoff appearances, et cetera. But in order to do that, now that you're starting to pay these guys second contracts, you're going to have to continue to draft um, at an extremely high level, no matter where you're drafting, mm-hmm. whether that be 28, whether that be 8, wherever. As far as Leonard is concerned, like you said, Chris, uh, $99 million and change, highest paid inside linebacker in the league. W- what stands out to me about that is this he's got to get back to the ball production you saw his first two seasons when you are paid the highest of any inside linebacker in the league there's a standard of play that comes with that and the hall of fame type stuff he did his first two years it took a little bit of a drop last season and that's not me being overly critical it's me looking at how much money he's making right now and saying you got to get back to that level Second, he's got to do the dirty work, and, we, and we've talked about that. Anthony Walker's gone. You've got to be in there and mixing it up a bit. Um, I would say the last thing is just continue to be Leonard because that means so much to the Colts. If you're going to preach culture, you better act on it, and this contract backs that up. It goes back to the DeForest-Buckner trade. You're not trading just for any defensive tackle that's an all-pro giving up the 13th pick, paying him $100 million, all that stuff. You've got to check the character box. And DeForest Buckner checked that in a big, big way, has checked that in a big, big way. Darius Leonard, with his juice, with his self-motivation, with his energy, he just picks everybody up. And, again, a lot of that might sound really elementary to people. Okay, but in this organization, under Chris Bowden and Frank Reich, that means a lot to them. And so if you're going to preach it, your actions, as I just broke our uh, <laughs> microphone here, it shows you how ramped up I am, um, your your actions have got to be at that level. Holy cow, you look like a uh, yeah, an you, 80s rock star right I now. Say, I'm like holding the mic with my hand. Do you think I can pull this off or should we press the pause button? Let's press the pause button and let you right. get that right. back settled right. up. 
All right, back with Freddie Mercury over there holding his Boy, did you see that punch? You know, that was a nice little, I gave a little Tyson, didn't have to bite any ears there, punched that mic down. Uh, Okay, we are back. Two things left on Leonard, uh, Chris. Yep. We talked about culture, culture, you know, everything he, Mm -hmm. he stands for off the field. He stands for a whole lot in this defense. Because you have to remember, too, in a 4-3 scheme that everything is so predicated on having an off-ball linebacker that plays behind that three technique, runs free, that's Derek Brooks-like. You know, that, that that's the goal. And, yeah. again, I know that's obviously a very lofty player to mention, but basically what I'm getting at is the will linebacker in this defense means a ton. So they're willing to pay that amount of money. Again, roster construction for the Colts, it's looking a lot different than Bill Polian's roster construction. So there's multiple ways to build a a, a contender. We'll obviously see how all that plays out. Um, I did have someone, you know, someone who's super plugged into kind of like NFL contracts reach out to me. They were surprised at the length and almost blaming his agent. Um, Leonard, I wonder how old he is. Was he 25? Does that sound right? Yeah, he's around there. So the five years was... Oh, he's 26. Just turned 26. Yeah, he had a birthday a couple of years ago. So he's, he will hit the open market then at 31. And um, it's normally four years, right? That's typical. Yeah, so they basically this guy was like, you know, I, I would have done a four-year deal, mm-hmm. um, try to get him again at the open market before he reaches the age of 30 because you know, 31 for a guy that's so athletic, you know, you, you just wonder how everything will play out. But, um, yeah, Nelson is next. I don't expect that to be anytime soon. Obviously, he's on that fifth-year Mm-hmm. Um, rookie option for next year if you want. And then Naeem Hines. It's a guy that I think deserves one. Um, again, I don't know if he'll get one before the start of the year, but to me, he's one of those rare rookie contract running backs that deserves a multi-year deal. Before we go into more camp takeaways with uh, with Darius and his ankle, do you see him practicing against the Panthers? He said, you know, hopefully to be out there next week. You know, with training camps in the days, it's so hard. He right. said that on Sunday. Does that mean this week? Does that mean next week? Yeah. Um, typically, I think when we get to these joint practices, I almost like your injured guys that haven't practiced yet, I think you tend to want to keep them out. You I would, too. I mean, you're going to go full go against yeah. another team. Christian McCaffrey and company. Again, I don't know Carolina's injury report either, but um, – we will see on that. I, I mean, I, I asked him, you know, did you want to get this done before you got back on the field? You know, was this kind of a pseudo holdout? He didn't really say that. Um, but he looks fine to me, which, again, I know I'm not watching everything, but it's not like there's a boot or a brace. Or, yeah. I mean, he's jogging, and he had a running session after meeting us. Uh, with Just a cowboy yesterday. hat. Yeah, he's got his cowboy <laughs> hat, his old school car and whatnot, so. And in all seriousness, Chris, and I think of the Instagram video you referenced earlier that I put out, um, plays to this, just what a story. Uh, just an absolutely incredible story um, that Darius Leonard is now uh, going, getting the second contract, you know, the highest paid inside linebacker, all that in the NFL. So um, pretty pretty cool. Yeah, good for him. What else have you seen out of camp? Um, well, let's start quarterbacks. Okay. Um, Obviously, Easton and Ellinger, we focused a whole lot on that last pot, I guess. And, you know, my biggest takeaway, we've seen three practices since the last pot, I think maybe four. Yesterday was such a reminder of like, oh, shit. These are two quarterbacks drafted day three. These are two quarterbacks that, in Easton's case, playing without three starters on his offensive line. Jack Doyle and T.Y. Hilton have taken multiple rest days. 
And this is like their first time practicing in the yeah. NFL, really. So, like, it's just a, uh, it's just not a very crisp passing offense. And am I shocked by that? Not at all. Like, none of that surprises me. Uh, let's start with Eason in the starting offense. Have there been improvements in his in his progressions? Sure. Um, are there moments he flashes the big big arm? Yes. I think I I'm not sure if I mentioned this. I think this happened like Thursday or Friday during that practice. Two Eason balls that, that stood out to me in a red zone drill. So you got to be a big time processor in mm-hmm. the red zone. He throws a ball on a little in route to Jonathan Taylor. It kind of hits Taylor in the shoulder pad. That now exposes Taylor a little bit to the linebacker that was sitting in the zone. That linebacker kind of hits Taylor. Ball pops up. Maybe EJ Speed picked it off. Maybe the ball fell to the turf. I kind of forget now. But, like, that is the processing and the pinpoint accuracy not matching up. A couple plays later, Eason rifles a ball to Zach Pascal for a touchdown. I mean, this was smoke coming off that ball. Into a window that was not big whatsoever. Honestly, I'm not sure if anybody on this team catches that ball besides Pascal. Pascal has such yeah. reliable hands. But it was a throw that's like, there aren't many quarterbacks in the league that are making that and fitting that ball in there. So it was such a what it can be mm-hmm. and what it can be. Right. Like, in both ways of you got to live with the ups and downs right now. Like, they are trying to sift through all of this. And that's what training camp should should be about. Unfortunately, Jacob Eason has entered the NFL at a horrible time. I've I've said this before. He should have gone back to Washington. He should have gone back there for one more season, gotten more of those reps. Sam Ellinger is walking in here with 46 games of starting experience. Right, yeah. Jacob Eason walks in here with 29, and 13 of those, or I should say 16 of those, were at Georgia, which that seems like eons ago. So... Um, you know, I, I'm not too stunned by this uh, in in what we're seeing. Eason offers you the opportunity to get the ball down the field a little bit more. Certainly, he had a beautiful two-minute drill the other day. Um, but there's going to be times where you probably want to pull your hair out and miss reads and just not making the simple play. Marcus Brady said over the weekend, the play I was most proud of him at practice the other day was a check down to Naeem Hines. Like that's that's where you're at with, yeah. with with Jacob Eason right now. Now you watch Ellinger get in there, and context is everything. Like, and I feel like we've made this very clear. I'm reporting what I'm seeing while also mentioning Sam Ellinger continues to be the second string quarterback. That means you're playing with second string people around you. Um, in this case, uh, you know, from a offensive line standpoint, you know, probably even more like third stringers, just because you need some of your second stringers with those starters. Um, Ellinger in the passing offense, it's methodical. It's very high percentage. Um, but it's watching Navy run the football. I mean, it's mm-hmm. four yards on a cloud of dust. I mean, yesterday, he probably completed his first eight or nine. I don't know if that passing offense had more than 25 yards. Just, again, it, it's... And for Ellinger, where Ellinger has an advantage right now is this. No one is game planning against him. So the Colts defense is trying to do their own stuff. Yeah, You know, when you start to game plan against him and you put eight in the box and you really pinch outside and you're forcing him to throw outside the numbers, do you get exposed a little bit more there? And obviously the Colts will counter and they will create a game plan that probably use, utilizes his legs, things like that. Um, but you definitely know notice his ability to go from the first read to the third read 
is much quicker than Jacob Eason's ability to go from the first to the third. Now, will that look different if and when he ever gets starting reps? Who knows? Uh, but we go off what we've seen so far. But is Sam going to be one of those guys kind of like Rivers was a little bit last year where he's going to make the plays, but then it's up going to be up to Hot Rod to kick the field goal because we're going to take eight minutes off the clock to get down the field, but we're not going to score. Right, yeah, and again, this is all the debate that Frank Reich, I think, is going to have to come to. Like, if you are debating Eason versus Ellinger, it's what do you trust, what do you want, what can you uh, help with coaching to try and make you the best offense possible to go win a football game in week one, assuming Carson is out. So, um, you know, I asked Frank on Saturday, I guess it was, about the starting rep debate, and he's like, fair, fair question, but... No, as of now, we are we are, and I mean, he probably said the phrase "right now" seven times in his answer. So, typically, when a coach says that, yeah, yep. <laughs> that's something that could change very quickly. What would I do right now? I'd roll with Eason this entire week as the starter, including Sunday. Obviously, that's four more practices, two joint sessions, then the Carolina game, and if it's disastrous. You have to give Ellinger starting reps. You, you you just have to see what you have. I know the ramifications when you do that. Mm-hmm. Like, I understand that. But in all likelihood, if it's disastrous with Eason on Sunday or this week or whatever, your week one starter, if it's not Wentz, is probably not in this building. So I think that would kind of, yeah. you know, um, speed up, expedite that, that whole process of, okay, um, who's available? Can we... Can we get someone? So, again, I am not anywhere near as down on Eason as a lot of people, I think, have been. Like, some people are like, oh, my gosh. It it is not all bad by any means with him. Um, There will be moments where you're like, you know, you just kind of want to puke a little bit. He's protected a decent. I know he was picked off yesterday by TJ Carey, but, like, his interceptions, I think, have gone down lately. Uh, With Ellinger, it's – unbelievable completion percentage. I mean, 70s, 80s, 90s, and like a couple drops. But at the same time, it's the Colts running a cover two defense when the check down stuff is there for you. What is that going to be like when teams start to do a little bit more of, oh, we watch this preseason film, let's game plan. Yeah. Anything more on offense you want to touch on or do you want to jump to the defensive side of things? Um, Let's go quickly. Jonathan Taylor's a stud. I know we say that and we can be said every podcast, but that needs to be a reminder. And, like, I am of the belief that Jonathan Taylor can almost will you to a victory or two early on. I know that's maybe a bit hyperbole, but I I really think that. Um, Left tackle, the only other thing on offense I want to mention because I know we have some wideout questions, I think, in Twitter questions, so we'll kind of wait for that there. Mm I personally thought it was good that Will Holden got a chance to be back with the starters yesterday in full pads. I want to see more Will Holden in there. We watched Sam Tebby for seven straight days. Like, yeah. Yeah. It, it, that's that's the proper tone um, probably to, to When you to see use. someone get shoved with a one arm, it's, it's not great. Yeah, and, and like, you know, <laughs> offensive linemen are never going to end up, well, maybe Nelson, but offensive linemen are never going to end up on their – you know, t- team's Twitter feed for their highlight reel. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been good with Tevi. I don't think it's been like, oh, my gosh, that dude should never play in the NFL. Like, I feel like some people think it has, but I would just like to see Holden back in there. Yeah. So that's what we saw yesterday. 
And then I guess defense-wise, man, what the D-line did yesterday. And everything's taken with a grain of salt considering what you have O-line-wise. But no DeForest Buckner and that D-line. There, there was one rep where Pay uses the power. I guess it would have been on Holden. And Ture uses his speed on Braden Smith. Mm-hmm. And just as Eason starts to back up, here comes Terry off the edge. Boom. Like, yeah. you clip that out, and you go into Chris Bauer's office, and he might be naked watching it. I mean, it, it, he just might be so excited. He's just like, I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm just naked. And, you know, it, it's like that is what you hope for out of your pass rush. That's why you drafted him. Obviously, the future, yes, of your, um, of your pass rush. So, you know, so many people are like, how do you evaluate that? You know, the D-line looks so good, but the O-line has all these injuries. The fact that the D-line is, they should be doing this to a degree. So that's what you like to see. Like, it's better than the alternative. And I, I feel like I've seen the athleticism pop as well. Um, I know what the competition has looked like. Obviously, that's why you bring Carolina in here. And, you know, of the next, what, eight or nine days that the Colts are on the practice field or on a game field, they will have an opponent for half of those sessions. Right. That's what you want. So we're, we're starting to get into truer evaluation time, um, which I think, you know, guys like Pay, Ture, um, I thought Tyquan Lewis has had a really nice camp. Um, Al-Kadim Muhammad wasn't supposed to, but he had a strip sack yesterday. You know, you aren't allowed to touch any any quarterback. Uh, Grover Stewart, DeForest Buckner. Chris Bauer thinks they're maybe the best defensive tackle pairing in the NFL. High praise, but, you know, obviously they've, they've proven it to a degree. Um and the linebackers, Okariki and Speed, I thought have been, especially Bobby. You know, Bobby's gotten his hands on a few more balls, which I think is a big step for him. You know, I, I know I've talked about this before, but I remember a couple of years ago, Jim Mercey, before mentioning Quentin Nelson, Darius Leonard, he mentioned Bobby Okariki. Like, this staff is extremely high on him, so um, he, he's at a good camp as well. Before we get into Twitter questions, real quick, break it down for the people that might not know. When a team comes in to play um, or do inter inter squad scrimmages, yeah, what's the rundown like? What's the focus? Yeah, and do you think good. the Panthers coming in, especially with someone like uh, Christian McCaffrey, does that help us game plan for a guy like uh, Derrick Henry, or how does yeah, it work? You know, I don't think like. Well, I guess let me just explain what practice is going to look like for people that go out there. Four to six p.m. Thursday, Friday, Grand Park. What you'll see is you'll have the Panthers starting offense on one field when you get into 11-on-11. 11 11. You'll have the Colts starting um, offense in the other field. And so, honestly, the best view is sitting in the stands that day because you know us in the media, we kind of get blocked out a little bit. So, um, But basically, those teams are obviously going to run whatever they feel like they, they need to work on. Um, you know, Do I look at the Carolina Panthers and think they're a top-10 team in the NFL? No. Is Christian McCaffrey – a nice player to go up against, without a doubt. Obviously, he's not Derrick Henry in terms of their right. skill sets. Right. But um, he's an extremely talented football player. And just in general, like Taylor Moten, pretty good offensive tackle. They've got Brian Burns, you know, certainly a very fast defensive end. Uh, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, two pretty good wideouts. I mean, like there are bits and pieces that you like, obviously. So I just think that helps you. And just in general, like you know, their version of Mark Glowinski – the Colts not necessarily don't have that in their second unit. Well, now, you know, Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner, they know everything that Mark 
Mark does day right, in and day out right. of practice. Now it's somewhere just a little bit different. So I think that's where it helps just from a competition evaluation standpoint. I know that a lot of people say that Thursday, Friday are more important to a lot of people from an evaluation standpoint. I probably disagree a little bit. Quantity-wise, are you getting more reps? Without a doubt. But, like, Jacob Eason will literally put on a, I assume a blue, a blue Colts jersey on Sunday at whatever, 1045 in the Colts locker room for the first time in his life. Yeah. That is huge. I, I This will be our only podcast for the week because, you know, once you get into joint practices, it's stupid to have a podcast on Saturday and then turn around and have preseason game on Sunday. So we'll come back next week with, with, with the next pod. But I, I – Chris, I cannot stress enough how important of a week this is for Jacob Eason. Like, this is a, a monumental week because the seed of doubt is at least in some people's minds about what about Ellinger? Like, should we do anything with him? It, it, it's at least a question that must be asked. People can laugh at it. People can discredit it. That's fine. Jacob Eason can answer that question himself with how he performs this week against someone new. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've added to their defense. Yeah, yeah. No, they they, they, they definitely have. Um, and I, I look at Easton and think, you know, one of the most important weeks really of his football career. And hyperbole, whatever, I stand by it. Well, let's stay there and let's jump into Twitter questions. Okay, let's do it. Scotty wants to know, wouldn't it be prudent to put Sam Ellinger in the starting reps as a barometer considering the O-line is basically a wet paper bag that Luck had. Oh, boy. <laughs> I think worse than a wet paper bag. No. <laughs> Gosh. Well, I think worse than a wet paper bag is honestly trying to find a cab from downtown Indianapolis. I run into Chris late night on <laughs> – actually, it probably might have been early morning on uh, on Friday. And I, do we not have cabs anymore? They're tough to get sometimes. I, I mean, I, I would – I walk by, I'm like – that's Kevin Bowen. Yeah, trust me, I, I was walking. Uh, let's try Penn. Let's try Meridian. Let's you know. Let's hell. Let's go over to four sixty five. Like you might, you might as well just taking a bird scooter home. Yeah. Well, I, boy, I, I don't think that would have been a good idea. Um, Scotty, fair question, and this comes back to I think something we talked a little bit about earlier. Chris is if you get to a point where now you've got to pick a starter for week one. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's going to come down to what do you want in your skill set? Do you want more of a runner? Do you want more of a protector of the football? Do you feel like, hey, you know, Seattle's going to load the box and we got to have a QB that gives us chances? So um, anything vertical for Sam Ellinger is coming off script. Really is. Um, I, I just think Bailey on Eason, 10 practices in, and more like seven practices in, eight practices in, I guess, uh, based off when Wentz got hurt, it, it's just a hair premature for me. Yeah. Lowen Theorist wants to know, not hearing much about Paris Campbell lately, is he flashing at all? He's healthy, and like, let's not take that for granted. Has not missed a day due to injury. Um, I think with Campbell, his his role is very game plan specific. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I just don't think we've seen a whole lot. I you know he's caught probably what two three balls maybe in eleven on eleven periods uh, daily. I should say probably more like one to two balls daily. T. Y. Hilton's really out of quiet camp. And, you know, I, I was. I asked T.Y. yesterday, I was like, this is your first time ever throwing with Eason, right? He's like, yeah. I mean, he had not thrown. Think about it. When you go to the Houston throwing sessions or wherever they did, yeah. like Wentz is taking those reps, obviously. So um, 
So I think that's something to keep in mind as well. But yeah, uh, Paris Campbell looks healthy to me. Um, when you see him catch balls an individual, when you see like everything looks great, there just hasn't been an abundance of a five catch Paris Campbell day. Yeah. This next one comes from Michelle. Any updates on Ben Banigou? Haven't heard much of him out of camp, and of course, other things are going on. Well, Michelle, I would encourage you to read our uh, daily notebooks because Ben Banigou has been a name I've thrown in there, man, maybe more than any other. You know, he's settling in as as a rusher. I think there was some some talk about like him being, I want to say like left. I, I think I have this right, like left-handed. So he's rushing more from that dominant side of his. I, I could have that flipped, but that's been a big part um in his development you know he's been super disruptive and i i have seen that before in camp now i do feel like there's just a little bit more pop with his athleticism than i've maybe seen in the past so so far so good with him i'd put him on the right side of my 53 man roster if i was making it now i don't think i would have said that at the start of camp but with rushers especially Come on down, Carolina Panthers. Yep. All right, Blopa says, Saludos from Costa Rica, Porta Vida. Wow, great work on that. Thank you. I tried. Do you, are you, do you have Spanish background? I do not. Okay. I took four years in, in high school, <laughs> and it was... Uh, I did Latin. <laughs> yeah, okay, Latin, the dead language, yeah. Um, yeah, Brian Shelford and I, that was, oh boy, survive in advance to get through four years of uh, Spanish there. Lopez back. He hasn't, but, he hasn't you know, tried this in a while. It's been, it's been a while, but he wants to know, is the left tackle, is, is a quality left tackle backup the hardest position to fill on a roster? Oh, wow. Um, I forgot. Blopa asked good questions. Yes. I mean, uh, that's so true. Yeah, quality left tackle backup. Yeah. And my biggest disagreement with how the Colts have handled that is just where's the draft pick to groom? You know, when you look at Leonard right now, he's been out for the first two weeks. Here's his EJ speed identified traits, drafted in your culture, groom them up, and you watch them out there, and you certainly see moments where you're like, wow, that's a really good football yeah. player. You go to running back, you know, whatever. Marlon Mack goes down last year, boom, here's Jonathan Taylor. Here's a Naeem Hines. Here's a Jordan Wilkins. Guys that you've identified. Um, considering how much left tackle means, Blopa, and like you said, a quality left tackle, some draft pick, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, wherever, that is where I have the issue. When you have team sloppy seconds at left tackle or at right tackle, whatever, it's going to show. And yeah. uh, we've seen that here in camp. We got a three-parter here from the powers that be. First off, he just wants to say you do a really great job, and you, realistically, you always answer all of his questions. Well, th- thank you for that. You know, you know us. Interactive, informative, available. Secondly, here on the pod. don't forget about him when you get your talent bump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see about that. Thank you. Thank you for that. And third is this question. With Edge going into the Hall of Fame, it got him thinking about the current situation with Jonathan Taylor getting a lot of praise out of camp. Let's say Wentz is out six weeks. Is Jonathan Taylor good enough to carry this offense to a 500 record? And powers that be, obviously, I, I mean, we'll see about the talent bump, not that we'll see about forgetting about you. I, I, I will never, <laughs> never. Uh, forget about any of our listeners here. Okay, um, Wentz is out six weeks. Oh, boy. Uh, is JT good enough to carry the offense to a 500 record? Man, five. Oh, boy. That being you would sign up for that, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, defenses, I think we have to we, – we, we cannot overlook defenses game planning against the Colts. And obviously, you know, where's Nelson's injury? 
fall into that. Where's Eric Fisher mm-hmm. in that rehab as well? I do think Taylor can carry you. Um, and obviously, let, let's just not go there with Taylor. I mean, you, know, you got Hines. You can sprinkle in yeah. there. And, like, I believe in Frank Reich as a game planner and as a play caller. Uh, but you got to hit some in the pass game. Your defense is going to have to be stout. And your O-line is going to have to be huge. Like, as much as you want to say, and I know I said it earlier, is JT good enough to carry an offense? In the NFL, more than anything, one player that doesn't play quarterback carrying any team is very hard to do. So, yeah, I don't know if I can go 500. But, man, you go 2-4 and four and one of those is Tennessee, you would take that and run. Oh, that's a huge one, yeah. Take that and run. I mean, look at those defensive fronts he's going to be going up against to start. Yeah, right, right, exactly. This next one comes from Raj. He wants to know about Ben Banigou. Uh, He's been great during camp so far, but he doesn't see him finding a roster spot. Do you think it's crazy for him to think that maybe he will? Also, unfortunately, Raj will not be with us during Beers with Bowen. And he wants because he's starting medical school. So good for you, Raj. Let's go, boy, Raj. Jeez, is that more important than that's, Beers with Bowen? I don't know. That's debatable. That's more. Raj, Let's discuss that next July. We'll we'll talk about that. Um, but we'll be live streamed. Yes, from all from everything I've heard. I don't know if you you've heard anything different, Chris. But I was told it will be live streamed. So mm-hmm. um, I know we have a lot of out of state people, out of country people, even. So um, yes, it will be live streamed. But like I said earlier, to win the prize pack and just selfishly, I'd love to see people's faces. Yeah, uh, come on out to Bullseye Event Center. Uh, will Ben Bandigo make the team? I think I think he will. It, it's tough numbers to crunch. Um, but I think if Dio Dengbo goes to the pup, that opens mm-hmm. up a spot. Yep. And I should say stays on pup, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Bandigo makes it. David's wondering about the wide, re- wide receiver thought so far. Has T.Y. been participating in camp? It seems like he's not getting any receptions. Also, Pascal seems to be making a lot of his highlighted plays based on the camp reports. Yeah, I would say Eason relationship, cohesion. Pascal's been the highest targeted receptor of his passes in the wideout group. A lot yeah. of tight end running backs. Yeah, Hilton, Hilton's been quiet. Um, you know, again, it, it, not stunned by this. He's not a volume, big volume catch guy. He's, you know, had a couple rest days and whatnot, so... Um, you know, I think Campbell's look good. Pittman has looked fine. Again, not a ton of catches for, for, for Pittman. And some of that does have to do with just, again, this passing offense has growing pains. And um, So, yeah, we'll see how that evolves. Next one comes from Zach. Hey, Kevin, I was listening to an interview with Mike Tannenbaum. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm guessing those on part of my take. And he said, Bill Belichick's greatest ability is to evaluate guys in the locker room and get rid of a guy a year too early rather than a year too late if we look at chris ballard how do you see him putting the skill like this to use and which players could you see him moving on from and drafting their replacements i know he's a big fan of keeping his own players but at some point you have to keep the starters like nelson leonard and buckner and continue to bring in young guys at cheap talent well that's a good question zach i would say like the belichick a lot of those guys have been in their 30s. So, I mean, the Colts really aren't there yet. Right. Um, now, did we see a little bit of that with Justin Houston and uh, Danico Autry? Maybe. Uh, but I think this is more something to look at down the road. Like, you know, what happens when you get to the end of Jack Doyle's extension? What happens when you get to the end of Ryan Kelly's extension? Uh, you know, Darius Leonard in that fifth year that we just talked about. You know, what, what does Darius Leonard look like at age 30? 
um, Braden Smith, you know, and so I, I think that's more of where it is with the Belichick stuff. It's um, a little bit of a what happens mm-hmm. at the end of these contracts, um, and the Colts just aren't really built necessarily like those New England teams were once Belichick started to do that. Yeah. So Gary wants to know how can you how can we judge a defense looking great when we're looking at backup quarterbacks and an offensive line that's not a hundred percent. Yeah. He also would like to have us sign Ha Ha Clinton Dix because he thinks the jersey would be awesome to have. <laughs> <laughs> you going ha ha on the back of that one? You I have like to, that. right? I like that. Um Yeah, we'll see a safety. Safety has been weird. TJ Carey's taking some reps there. Andre Chachare, I think I'm saying that right. A little bit of a corner uh um, kind of corner safety mm-hmm. versatility there. Hardest part of camp. This is it right here. What what is real? Um, you know, I I don't know maybe because I'm the son of two teachers, I often equate stuff to school. But like maybe it is a little bit of hey, um, this is an open book test, or this is you know this is a quiz that uh, the teacher just taught you everything in the first 20 minutes of class, and now you're taking a quiz on it in the, in, in the second 20 minutes. Maybe that's what like kind of right now is for some of these um, players. Now certainly you're gonna have more of a closed book and more of a term paper and more of a final. And, uh, you know, they're going to make you walk through a metal detector to see if you got a cheat sheet on you. Like, you know, <laughs> those, those sorts of things I think are, are coming and obviously will come. So, um, Gary, it is, it is tough. And especially with, with Eason, you know, mm-hmm. more so than any other person. And it, it would be tough even with his starters fully intact. Um, because as much as he could look unbelievable in camp, all of a sudden what happens when a defense is not the Colts' defense and they play a little bit more man and they're doing stuff differently and now you're wearing a blue jersey and all that. So, yeah, Gary, I, I don't I don't have a great answer. Basically, I report what I see. I try to interject when I feel like this is real. I, I, I need to see more of this to truly get a better gauge on it and go from there. Good question here from John. Not that the other ones aren't great. Um, you've reported very positive things about Quiddy Pay, Kylan Granson, and Mike Strawn. Which of these three do you think is most impacted or makes the most impact on day one? And which do you think gets the biggest second contract? Um, well, I would say in that order, in terms of day one impact, Quiddy Pay, Kylan Granson, Mike Strawn. Mm-hmm. I mean, Quiddy Pay's a starter. Kylan Granson, spot duty. And Mike Strawn, probably super spot duty. So um, I could see Strawn being, like, super specialized, though. I mean, hey, red zone, you know, here's three plays we've drilled with Mike Strawn. Can you isolate him one-on-one and see what happens? Um, now, as far as the second contract, I mean, pay would be the obvious, just yeah. considering the position he plays and and your expectations for him. But, um, yeah, I mean, those are the three rookies that, I mean, that's probably it, honestly, on draft picks, unless I'm totally forgetting about somebody. Dangbo, obviously, on Pup. Right. Who knows with Ellinger. Yeah, and you got to think, obviously, Quiddy, like you said, going to be a starter. Second contract's going to be inevitable, you would hope. Kylan Granson, I think, could at least play special teams. I don't think Strawn's going to play special teams. Yeah, yeah, I'm still kind of waiting to see that. Will Fries has been really low on the depth chart. Um, So, yeah, that's a good question, John. 
Next one comes from Conroy. Let's say Wentz is out the first few weeks of the season for sure. Do you believe it's possible that Sam Ellinger wins the QB1 slot over Eason? And has Reich publicly commented on them with starts for Eason? P.S. Love the competition going on there. Yeah, I mean, it, it comes back to what does Reich want? Um, and obviously, do you go outside of the building? You know, I know so many people are enamored with, with Nick Foles and I think too much of that is kind of like name, Super Bowl hype. You know, when you look at how Nick Foles has been as a quarterback since the Super Bowl, it's been very blah. Now, is blah better than what you have? Maybe. Um, I kind of like the unknown more than that. But that's me being a little risky, and maybe if I was <laughs> Chris Bauer, Frank Reich, I probably wouldn't say that. This one comes from Tev. Doesn't seem like Autry being gone has caused any issues, at least in camp from some reports. What do you think? Let's start there. Well, I, I think we're still early. You know, full trench play, you never go all the way with evaluations in, in, in camp. So I, I, I'm not ready to say that just, just yet. Also, why is everyone praising Ellinger? It doesn't seem fair for Eason to be playing against a top-10 defense and then compared to Ellinger playing against some people who might not even be in the league in a few months. Is this fair for the media to stop acting like he's the Messiah walking into town, playing against a much lower competition? Sorry for the long question. Not to mention the online, not to mention the O line is not healthy. Also, thank you for the time you guys put into the pros, podcast. Appreciate you. Thank you for that, Tev. Uh, I, yeah, I don't. Please splice out the audio of us calling Sam Ellinger the Messiah. Uh, now, is he going to star in the next Friday Night Lights? Without a doubt, like that's that's a given. But uh, yeah, context with everything. And Tev, I I, I think we've been made that very very clear of the context you know why is everyone praising ellinger because the guy was eight of ten in a 11 on 11 drill that's pretty darn good i've been to a lot of training camps now over a decade of them and that's not a given for guys um you know to be fair yes is Eason playing against the top 10 defense you know i no he's not i mean darius leonard has been out of the lineup for the entire you know, start of camp, and you know, Rhodes missed a whole lot, and you know, Buckner's missed a couple of days. Now, obviously, again, Eason is working without a ton of starters. So, yes, context is everything. But Sam Ellinger deserves praise. The guy's been an efficient QB. Does that mean he's, you know, going to be next to Peyton and and Canton one day? Hell no. But the guy deserves praise while also being like, he could go with the starters and look terrible. But for a second team quarterback, first NFL training camp. Good job, Sam Ellinger. Yeah. Especially with no 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 spring, his brother dying, like all that. Right, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit, yeah. I mean, kudos to him for how he's looked. Does this mean that, you know, we should start, you know, playing in the um, Georgia Street Parade with Sam Ellinger on the biggest float? <laughs> no. Sam Ellinger, Friday Night Lights, right there. Sarazen, is that the guy? Matt Sarazen, is that the uh, yeah. last guy? Winchell? Mm-hmm. I like Mike Winchell. <laughs> Next one comes from Jason. Great question, Jason. Can you give us your take on what you've seen from the secondary so far and who looks to have the inside track for outside cornerback number two and which safeties do you look to make the team? Well, you know, one issue has been just the corners not being challenged enough. You know, I think that's more of a right. product of your quarterback play. So, um, okay, so cornerback two. Obviously, Xavier Rhodes and Kenny Moore are not coming off the football field. Mm -hmm. We know that. When you get to nickel, I would say – 
And T.J. Carey missed, you know, a handful of days to start and is playing a little safety with Julian Blackman out. Um, I would probably say Rock, but, like, maybe it's just because he's been more available than T.J. But I think we're about to get an idea. I mean, right now I'd probably say Rock and T.J. Carey still competing on a little bit of a level and then just below them on the next level. We'll put Marvell Tell and Isaiah Rogers. Backup safeties, holy shit. Yeah, I mean, that's, like I said, they've been trying corners there. Sean Davis, the rookie, just practiced for the first. Oh, I forgot about Sean Davis as the yeah. other rookie. Um, he is yet to practice, or excuse me, he did practice yesterday. I think it was his first day out there. The other Sean Davis, a free agent, I haven't seen a whole lot there. So um, that's very much up in the air right now. We have a question from Alec that we touched on a little bit earlier, but his buddy Jacob doesn't have a Twitter account but listens to the podcast all the time. Let's go, Jacob. He wanted to know about the Darius Leonard contract and and what we think. So you just want to touch on that a little bit again? Yeah, again, I I think, you know, Jacob and and Alec, um, great teamwork there by you two. That uh, kind of coincided with uh, our thoughts that we, you know, talked about earlier. Darius Leonard, he wants to be paid more than Fred Fred Warner. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm not, you know... I'd say one other thing that I'd like to add just on Leonard is just, and this is tough, but, like, his availability. You know, missed five games the last two years, you know, not ideal. You know, that would be something as well that you would uh, that you'd like to see. And, and one thing, I, I don't know the agent world super, super well. I feel like I have a decent grasp on it. Um, I believe that the agency that represents Leonard uh, doesn't have a whole lot of high-level clients. So I think that might have led to the, mm-hmm. oh, boy, this is my cash cow. I really got to make sure this deal looks good because that's how I'm going to attract other clients, yeah. et cetera. I think some people are kind of curious why this was dragging out, in quotes. Makes total sense. John has a couple questions for you, Kevin. First one, Kylan Granson. Is he yeah. running with the first or second team in reps? Uh, I'd say mostly first team. Uh, but, again, Jack and Mo, they've been in and out. Yeah. So, yeah. What has stood out to you most about him so far? Quick. Yeah, just general quickness. You know, won't wow you with size, but yeah, yeah, I would say quickness. And how is his run blocking if you're able to see it when you're down there? Yeah, that's that's hard to tell. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I haven't been too plugged in on Kylan Granson's run blocking, but um, I'll try to keep an eye on that. This one comes from Matt. Hey, Kevin, I firmly believe in the play of Jacob Eason at camp, and I believe that he – I believe the only way – go out and sign another veteran quarterback is that he shows he can't handle the job and hasn't shown enough progression to start week one. The Colts have six weeks to figure this out. That being said, let's say Wentz misses six games and Easton starts and plays well and the team gets to a 4-2 and two record. What do the Colts do? Do they continue with a hot hand with Jacob Eason or do they go with a guy that you brought in and you gave up capital for to acquire? Oh, man. <laughs> Matt, Matt, Matt. Oh boy. Woo, this is good. Six games, a lot of football. It is a lot and of football. A four and two record. That is uh You'll take that. Whew, take it. Shit. All you know, you got Colts fans that would sleep outside the complex <laughs> for two months for that. That that that's damn impressive. Um yeah, you might tell Wentz his foot needs other work. His other foot needs some work, you know. Um I'd roll with Eason. <laughs> I would. I mean, four and two is, yeah, I, I would. I mean, obviously, you know the ramifications there, and you know, month and a half of good football. That's, the, it's a lot, but it's not a lot. Like all, all right. in the same vein. If you kind of follow that, um, yeah, I would. 
I would go with Easton, but man, what a great, awful problem to have. You would love four and two. Yeah, I, yeah, you gotta roll with Easton, right? Yeah. I don't know. And in today's day and age, then you have Carson Wentz as your backup. To I mean, four and two. That's that's a great question because that's tough to answer. Yeah, and obviously, like, I guess he says he said the Easton plays well, right? You know, I right. You know, I wasn't sure if he won a ten three game that you know Xavier Rhodes had a pick six or something. So, um, boy, Matt, that's good. That's good. Hey, who knows, man? You know, whatever. Maybe maybe we we'll be going there in two months. We'll see. you. From Jorge, if Wentz and Nelson aren't 100% for the Seahawks and Rams games, would it be better just to rest them and try and beat Tennessee to control the division? Yeah, that's a good point, Jorge. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, that, that week three game is just so big. Especially because the division is two teams. Drop, 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 two teams. I mean, you don't see that, I think. Uh, man, maybe I'm totally underestimating Trevor and... Tyrod Taylor, probably not. Pain threshold, I mean, that's that. I mean, that's big. You know, Nelson, you would think, obviously, can, you know, whatever, handle it. But, like, to me with Wentz, and I'm not going to debate Carson Wentz's pain threshold, but it's just it's the effectiveness. Of mm-hmm. Like, how does he look? How does he perform um, at whatever my foot feels 80%? Like, you aren't shooting up your foot. Like, you can't – got to feel your foot. Yeah. Uh, I don't know a lot about medical, you know, but – I do know that. Um, <laughs> man, what a big, big game that's going to be. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah what... I would. Uh, Jorge, I, I, I probably would. Again, Nelson, like, to me, I think he's a guy that can come back quicker. But Wentz, it's just, it's effectiveness, it's practice time, all that stuff. Well, it's a great, Jorge's question is a great segue into Sway Boy's question. Who? Sway Boy. Oh, wow, okay, all right. Does, does Big Q coming back by week one put pressure on Carson Wentz to come back by week one? Uh, no, 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 no. I mean, none. I mean, sure. <laughs> Are you training with them? And like, do you want to be on the same time frame and all that? Yeah. But it's two different positions. It's two different body types. It's a guy that's had what? Seven injuries that have forced him to miss time in the last six years. I don't think Quentin Nelson has missed a game since high school. So we know how Quentin Nelson is. We all saw the Instagram post. It's, Eat, drink, football. Yeah. Like pigskin. I mean, they, his blanket is probably pigskin. I mean, it's just like <laughs> a man loves ball. Love it. From JJ, I read someplace that Wentz is not getting vaccinated, and it got me thinking, is the reason that several Colts have shunned the vaccine is because they are religious. Wentz is vocal about his religious beliefs, Many vaccine deniers have stated that religion is the reason they don't want to. They don't want the vaccine. Is this a contributing factor for this team? JJ, I'll be a hundred percent honest with you. If I knew the religious beliefs of all ninety guys on the Colts roster, you know, Matty Bowen would have left me a long, long time ago. I mean, it's I. I got no clue. Yes, like you said, Carson is vocal about his religious beliefs. Certainly, Frank Reich is someone that's been vocal about his religious beliefs. Obviously, was a former, or I should say, still is an ordained minister. But um, yeah, I got nothing. I I got nothing for you. You know, I don't. I'd be guessing on it. We asked Carson about it. Carson, you know, business decision, personal decision. I think maybe was his phrase, personal decision. I think it mm-hmm. was. So yeah, I got. Sorry. I got nothing for you, but 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't know. Maybe I should pay attention after games. Don't, you know, usually get like a group of 20 guys on each team that come together and pray. I don't know. Right. Maybe a lot of Colts in there. So, yeah, sorry about that. Chris Bauer, I know, is religious, I believe. Uh, Frank Reich is. They two vaccinated. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Be, I'd be just, yeah, trying to throw stuff against the wall there. No. It's the world we live in now, man. Yeah. Two more. This one from Sawed Off SOB, oh, which sounds weird right after a religious question. Yeah, but <laughs> Oh, boy. Assuming Wentz misses the first few games, what would you consider a quote-unquote successful record with Eason starting, particularly considering how rough the schedule is early? Well, you know, when I hear the word successful, that is obviously a good record. I would say two and three with a win over the Titans. That's what I would consider a success. Three and two without a win over the Titans, I also would consider successful, like if your goal is to make the playoffs. If your goal is to win the division, really just comes down to that Titans game. So much of it does. So much of it. Yeah. All right, this next one comes from Mitchell. Hey, Kevin, right when Wentz came to Indy, a lot of people said that Frank Reich's future success was going to be directly dependent between Carson's success. If Carson becomes a mess, is Frank Reich to be the one to blame if Wentz misses a large part of the year and the team struggles for that season, let's say pick 12 in the draft, how safe is Frank's job in Ballard's eyes and how safe should his job be? Okay, um, well, 12th pick? I mean, boy, 12th pick, that's like, I mean, you're certainly finishing under 500. Yeah. So, yeah, hot. <laughs> I mean, hot. Yeah, it's going to be very hot. It should be very hot. So, yeah, you go seven and ten, eight, eight, nine. I mean, again, insert my seat warmer analogy here, but it's going to be like you know <laughs> negative eight degrees outside, and you got to you got to turn it up. Certainly, yeah, you 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 have to. And again, you guys have heard me say this before. I, I I'm a believer in Chris Bauer and Frank Reich, but I can be a believer and still look at it from a very critical point of view and realizing that so far the tangible results have not been there not to the level of what this organization deserves what this fan base deserves so uh, that that has to change and, and it needs to change right here and right now so if you're if you're drafting 12th warm it up warm it up and Jim Mercer pull out that drawer and make sure you got that list updated because uh if it continues to go down that path you gotta change it up Speaking of Jim Irsay, what do you think about this weekend's enshrinements with Edron yeah. James and Peyton Manning? I'm glad you brought that up, man. Um, Edge, uh, probably one of my favorite athletes of all time, honestly. I, I know I mentioned on the podcast, but tweeted it out how much my grandma loved him, that she wanted to be uh, buried in burial site 32 <laughs> because uh, her favorite player was Edge. Um, I just His authenticity is just we don't have enough of that in the world. Um and I, I really appreciated how his analogy on doing his job, you know, his run block, his pass blocking was so good as a running back, you know, c- comparing that to obviously just in general our our world was great. You know, Peyton, selfishly, I wish Peyton would have hit a little bit more on Indy and Denver. You know, Peyton's such a politician in those yeah. that he gets so ingrained into appreciating the history of the game and, like, Obviously, you know, what he hit on at, at the end and the future of the I, – I was surprised how much he talked about the future. I was hoping he would just just share more stories about Indy, Denver. And I get it. He's got a time limit. And he was speaking fast. You could you could tell Peyton was really yeah. trying to adhere to that time frame there. 
But, man, he looks like a guy that is going to be uh, yeah, head of the competition committee in two years. I know you, you, you tweeted it out. I think Schefter ripped it from you. Commissioner in, in you know, whatever, seven years. And uh, he'll be president of the United States here in about 17 years. So that was I, – I, I love the game of football. And with so much debate about the game of football and the future of it, to hear Peyton stand on a table – so much for it. Now, obviously, he didn't give concrete reasons or, you know, you know examples of, you know, what he's going to do. But knowing that he's in that corner, got to feel really good about the sport moving forward. Yeah, and like you said, and you tweeted out, our jobs wouldn't be here with, I mean, Peyton Manning has put food on a lot of people's plates. Correct. Throughout the city. Yeah. With what he did and came, in, came coming into the city. Dude, I do not take it for granted. I, 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 I do not. Um not not one bit. So um, I thought it was awesome. I love seeing the pictures. I was fortunate to go to the Marvin Harrison Tony Dungy mm-hmm. party back in wherever whenever they went in, and that was awesome. And it's one of those is like, don't get within five feet of the ice sculpture. Don't get within five <laughs> feet of the ice sculpture. You know, know your role. Um, yeah, someone was telling me that Edge Edge wanted Ed Reed to DJ the party, the final two <laughs> hours of the party. Noise ordinance in Canton, I think, ended at 3 a.m. They wanted to end at 6 a.m. So, yeah, I can only imagine how everyone is is feeling after uh, those back-to-back nights. But um, Vinny, Reggie, Robert, Dwight, I mean, they all should probably go in mm-hmm. at some point. Um, but, yeah, just really, really cool to see. I love the fact that Brady was there. I do. I, I think – uh, I love the booze. I love the booze. <laughs> it, I love that Peyton paused for the booze as right. well. Um, so yeah, it was really, really cool to see, and um, yeah, I know you texted me about Charles Woodson going in with Peyton, and obviously their their history dating back to the Heisman mm-hmm. and whatnot. So fun, fun weekend. Really glad the Colts weren't playing in that game, and uh, I can't wait for Sunday, man. So remind people again if they go to 1075thefan.com, what you have coming up in terms of articles and also registering for Beers with Bone. Yes, we got notebooks daily um, from, from training camp. We also have uh, daily video recaps on our YouTube page. Uh, right now up on the website, I wrote co- just kind of a piece about the biggest question being answered this year for the Colts. The biggest question being, is Carson Wentz the guy? And how does this injury impact that? Also updated some competition battles. I'll probably post a depth chart here in the next 24 hours or so as well. Love it. Um, and then Beers with Bowen, September 8th, 6.30. That is a Wednesday uh, leading into that Seattle game. Again, Bullseye Event Center right there on what, Chris? Is that Capital and McCarty? I believe so. Capital uh, McCarty. Basically. Yeah, just, just west of the stadium. Yes. You go past Southwest. the Holiday Inn and all that stuff. It's, yep, yep, it's yep. right over there. Yeah, right there. We'll keep you posted on parking and whatnot. But um, I believe the event page is on our website, or at least will be soon. Uh, but these are the details. 6.30 p.m. Uh, it'll be a cash bar, restaurant food there as well. If you come, um, you are entered to win a Colts VIP tailgate courtesy of Bullseye Event Group. That is two tickets for the entire home slate of games, three hours before kickoff, free food and drink, uh, winner to that package. Uh, you're in the AC. If you need to be in the AC, they open up the windows if it's great weather. They've got a tent out there. Uh, obviously, if it's freezing cold in December, it's a great indoor facility. You're 100 yards away from Lucas Oil Stadium. And you also get two tickets 
to the home opener against the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, just an absolute awesome package. So thank you to Bullseye Event Group, Kyle Kinnett, uh, and them for helping us out, not only with Beers with Bowen, but some other training camp coverage mm-hmm. as well. He's Chris Presley. I'm Kevin Bowen. We'll be back maybe next Monday to recap uh, the first preseason game against Carolina Panthers. Everybody have a great week. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.